Chapter six of a short history of Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. A short history of Wales by Owen M. Edwards. Chapter six. The laws of Howell. The two ideas which ruled Wales were the love of order and the love of independence. The danger of the first is oppression. The dangers of the other are anarchy and weakness. Wales was sometimes united under a Melguin or Rodri, and the princes obeyed them. Oftener, perhaps, the princes of the various parts ruled in their own way. The internal life of Wales is best seen in the laws of Howell the Good. Howell was the grandson of Rodri, and, about 950, he called four men from each district to Hendy Gwyn, Whitland, to state the laws of the country. Twelve of the wisest put the law together, and the most learned scribe in Wales wrote it. It was thought that there should be one king over the whole people, but it was very rarely that every part of Wales obeyed one king. The country was divided into smaller kingdoms. In many ways, Gwyneth was the most powerful. It was very easy to defend, for it was made up of the island of Mon, Anglesey, the promontory of Lane, and the mountain mass of Snowdon. Its steep side was thus towards England, and its cornlands and pastures on the further side. It was also the home of the family of Cunetha, from Melwyn to the last Llewellyn. Powys was the Berwyn country. Ceredigion was the western slope of the Plinlimon range. The eastern slopes had many smaller but very warlike districts. De Hubarth contained the pleasant glades and great forests of the Towy country. Divid was the peninsula to the west. The southern slopes of the beacons were Morganwig and Gwent. Howell the Good found that the laws of the various parts differed in details, and he gave different versions to the north, the southwest, and the southeast. But the law and life of the whole people, if we only look at important features, are one. Several commotes made a cantrev, many cantrevs made a kingdom, many kingdoms made Wales. In each commote there were two kinds of people, the free or high-born, and the low-born or serfs. These may have been the conquering Celt and the conquered Iberian. It was very difficult for those in the lower class to rise to the higher, but after passing through the storms of a thousand years, the old dark line of separation was quite lost sight of. The free family lived in a great house, in the Hendre, old homestead in winter, and in the mountain Havoti, summer house in summer. The sides of the house were made of giant forest trees, their boughs meeting at the top and supporting the roof tree. The fire burnt in the middle of the hall. Round the walls the family beds were arranged. The family was governed by the head of the household, Pentelu, whose word was law. The highest family in the land was that of the king. In his hall all took their own places, his chief of the household, his priest, his steward, his falconer, his judge, his bard, his chief huntsman, his mediciner, and others. The chief royal residences were Aberfra in Mon, Mathraval in Powys, and Dinever in Duhebarth. 
Old Welsh law was very unlike the law we obey now. I cannot tell you much about it in a short book like this, but it is worth noticing that it was very humane. We do not get in it the savage and vindictive punishments we get in some laws. I give you some extracts from the old laws of the Welsh. The king was to be honored. According to the laws of Gwyneth, if any one did violence in his presence, he had to pay a great fine, a hundred cows, and a white bull with red ears, for every country of the king ruled, a rod of gold as long as the king himself, and as thick as his little finger, and a plate of gold, as broad as the king's face, and as thick as a plowman's nail. The judge, whether of the king's court or of the courts of his subjects, was to be learned, just, and wise. Thus, according to the laws of David, was an inexperienced judge to be prepared for his great office. He was to remain in the court, in the king's company, to listen to the pleas of judges who came from the country, to learn the laws and customs that were in force, especially the three main divisions of law, and the value of all tame animals, and of all wild beasts and birds that were of use to men. He was to listen, especially, to the difficult cases that were brought to the court, to be solved by the wisdom of the king. When he had lived thus for a year, he was to be brought to the church by the chaplain, and there, over the relics and before the altar, he swore, in the presence of the great officers of the king's court, that he would never knowingly do injustice, for money or love or hate. He is then brought to the king, and the officers tell the king that he has taken the solemn oath. Then the king accepts him as a judge, and gives him his place. When he leaves, the king gives him a golden chessboard, and the queen gold rings, and these he is never to part with. I will tell you about one other officer, the falconer. Falconry was the favorite pastime of the kings and nobles of the time. Indeed, everybody found it very exciting to watch the long struggle in the air between the trained falcon and its prey, as each bird tried every skill of wing and talon that it knew. The falconer was to drink very sparingly in the king's hall, for fear the falcons might suffer, and his longing was to be in the king's barn, not in the king's hall, lest the smoke from the great fireplace should dim the falcon's sight. End of chapter 6